1: Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the Senior NBA Writer of the Action Network. I'm joined by NBA Futures Analyst for the Action Network, Brandon Anderson. Follow him on Twitter, at Wheaton Brando. This is your second round NBA semifinals series preview and game one best bets for Knicks versus Heat and Nuggets versus Suns. We are a couple hours removed from the Boston Celtics securing their second round appearance versus the Philadelphia 76ers. And we would love to get you more details on that. But as this is just a couple hours after that, we honestly don't have enough on it yet. We're still evaluating the lines and all that. You can find all where we're going to be on this series, though, in the award-winning Action Network app. Best way for you to track your picks. Up the second information where the bets and money are coming in on. Spoiler alert, Brandon's going to be on the Sixers. No, just kidding. He's going to be on the Celtics. <laughs> uh, he's hated the Sixers all year. Uh, not hated. Just he's been ready to bet against them. No, that's,
2: that's fair. I'll, I'll take the hated.
1: <laughs> hated. Uh, <laughs> and so he's going to go ahead and be on that side. Uh, I have to take the Sixers uh, on a, a win spread. So just as a heads up, like that's where I'll be on this, on the series, because the lines are preposterous at one book, the Celtics own it's 330, which is a 77% chance to win. <laughs> Now, I will say, like we were talking about in the group chat, probably the best angle is wait until the Celtics win game one without Embiid, most likely. And then if you want to get Sixers, that's probably the time. But I'll be on it beforehand and I'll find out I don't know how I'm going to write it in the app, but we're going to figure out a way.
2: Wait, wait, the, the series don't start till Tuesday. We still have time to actually talk about this probably, right?
1: Hopefully. We'll see if, if we have an opportunity. No. I forget it started on Tuesday because um, the NBA, I'm used to. I don't know, maybe the, maybe the NBA, maybe the, the NFL on Tuesday was host, hosting like a press conference or mm-hmm. like, you know, the NFL was just going to run a promo video some stuff and, then the, and the NBA be like, oh God, clear the schedule again, can't go up against the NFL because they're a bunch of cowards. So anyway, uh, we are going to talk about those today. Two great series. Heat Knicks, complete shocker as a five seed and the eight seed advanced to meet in the first in the second round of the Eastern Conference semifinals and the West. It's a matchup of what honestly is probably the two best teams in the Western Conference as the Nuggets and the Suns face off in a what is going to be absolutely an incredible series. Knock on wood if everyone's healthy for the first time in a long time with the Phoenix Sun series. Uh, we'll see how it goes. We are going to give you best bets up front. We always do that at the show. So I want to go ahead and we're going to give our picks up front. And then we'll do the cap after the way that we always do. So you hear them first and then we'll go. Brandon, I'll start with you. Give me Nuggets,
2: Suns, series bet. Go. Give me the Nuggets. Plus 120. I will take Denver and I'm going to take an escalator. Give me Nuggets minus one and a half on the series spread at plus 260 as part of my bet as well.
1: Okay. Well, the Nuggets are screwed because I'm also on Denver minus one and a half plus 245. That's my best bet. What's your game one best bet for Nuggets, Suns?
2: Just taking the Nuggets minus two and a half. Just take the team at home, the team you like in the series to win and cover.
1: Uh, yeah, me too. That's that line is absolutely just preposterous. That's a, <laughs> a ridiculous line uh, on the Denver Nuggets. Like I don't mind them being dogs. So I get that that's going to have correlation here, but it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, oh, by the way, I'm also taking the over 225 in Nuggets Suns. It's my best bet. Nick's Heat series bet. Give it to me.
2: Light on this one, uh, but I'm going to take Heat in a six or seven. So you got to play that as two parts. And the, the odds on that it's heat in six or seven gi- gives me a plus 208, and I'll explain that when we get there. Um,
1: okay. Series bet for Nick's Heat. Uh, I am taking the New York Knicks minus 158 to win the series outright, so we're on opposite sides for the content. We'll get into wides for the content <laughs> uh, when we get there. Um, game one, I'm, a,
2: I'm gonna talk you into heat by the end of the podcast, probably. So it's, not, it's not hard, it's not let the not people hard. know that your best bet will be Heat by the end of when we're done with us.
1: Uh, Nick's Heat game one best bet
2: Yeah, just give me the under next under is five and now under 206.5 I, I was really hoping to get like a 218 or something to start out the series but nah take the under anyway
1: i'm taking heat plus four even though i'm taking the next one in the series and uh, i will be with you on the under 206 and a half because of a trend that you have me look up that we'll get to when we get there let's start with the not more interesting i think that i think next heat is fascinating but it's fascinating in like a wow what a weird thing that we found in the second round this because honestly, this, these two teams should not be here. They just, I'm just gonna be real with you. They should not be here. But they are and they've earned it. So we're gonna talk about it. But let's start with the, the Western Conference battle. Uh the series is absolutely fascinating. Two years ago, the Phoenix Suns sweeped the Denver Nuggets 4-0. Jamal Murray did not play. He had suffered his ACL injury in the previous March. Uh the Nuggets were starting Faco Campazo in that series alongside Austin Rivers um and Jeff Green at various points. Michael Porter Jr. tweaked his back in that series uh the Nuggets bench was terrible it was a very different Nuggets team and that's at least what they're hoping for it's also a very different Phoenix Suns team because I don't know if you know this but they had a guy named Kevin Durant (laughs) so my big picture thought on this the most important thing so to speak Brandon this is an offensive series I don't have confidence in the Nuggets to be able to slow down pick and roll action from the Suns consistently this is the best mid-range team, maybe in the history of basketball. I don't know if there's been a better mid-range team. Um, Durant literally is over 50% on mid-range jumpers. It's ridiculous. Booker is at the absolute peak of his powers. The Nuggets will do a number of things to try and switch up coverages, but they're still going to get to a steady diet and pull up mid-range jumpers, and they're going to make a ton. On the other end of the floor, I do not have any, 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 any faith in the Phoenix Suns to slow down Denver's attack. Denver, to me, has more weapons. Um Chris Paul can be a weapon, but he's 38. DeAndre Ayton can be a weapon, but you will live with it. Torrey Craig shot the absolute lights out in the first round versus the Los Angeles Clippers. That's hard to sustain for a role player. Every player has like one series and then it's different the next time out. The Nuggets, meanwhile, have Jokic, Murray, MPJ, Aaron Gordon, which this matchup is way better for him than the double big. He had to go like the bru- the bruise Fest he had to go through in the first round facing guys that are way bigger than him. Contavius Caldwell Pope is a knockdown shooter. Bruce Brown has been playing lights out. Christian Brown has brought a lot off the bench. Um, they have a lot of weapons and they know how- Jokic enables them to use all of them. This is a lot about the individual greatness of the Phoenix Suns versus the collective greatness of the of the Denver Nuggets. So for me, I'm going to be on overs a lot in this series. I'm going to be playing a lot of over props in this series. Um, it should be a fascinating one. But for me, the most important question is which offense do you believe more in?
2: Yeah, I think I think you're right. We we have to talk about the offense here. I think for me, the most important thing is very similar, but I'm going to frame it a little differently. Since the moment that Kevin Durant came to Phoenix, all the questions have been, how do you defend this team? How do you stop Durant and Booker and CP? It's a good question. It's a very good question. I think it's the wrong question. I think that you don't beat Phoenix with your defense. I think you beat Phoenix with better offense. And that's why I like Denver, because I think Denver will beat Phoenix with better offense. I actually... Wonder in a weird way, like Denver's defense is not great. We know this. We know it's not going to be great. We know that Jokic, they're going to shoot over him. He can't cover all the ground. I do like some of the individual matchups. Aaron Gordon on KD, I think is a nice matchup. KCP for Booker, I think is a nice matchup. I mean, they're going to get their buckets. They're going to get their looks. So it's, it's not like I'm saying they're going to shut them down. But I almost feel like I don't mind that the Nuggets are actually not going to go crazy hard on defense. I think that I am fine with letting Phoenix take their mid-range shots. The last series that we just finished, the Suns took 40% of their shots at the rim or on the threes combined. 40% is an insanely low number that they took that like compare that to like the, the Daryl Morey, James Harden rockets. I don't know what that percentage is, but I'm going to guess it's like a thousand percent of their shots at the rim and three, like that's, the whole thing that we've been doing. And I just don't know that the Suns can out-efficient you when they're not taking efficient shots. The Nuggets are going to score. The The Suns' defense, I think, is the the weak link in the teams on the court here. The Suns' defense fouls a ton. That was the profile in the eight regular season games and it carried over into the Clippers series. They don't rebound well. They, all of the, they give up easy profile shots. Just the Clippers were missing all their dudes. So they missed a lot of them, but still hung around anyway. So I just see Denver scoring very easily, very efficiently the series. And I think Phoenix will score, but Phoenix is going to score two and two and two, and they're going to miss half of the mid range shots as good as they are. Cause that's how it works. So that to me above everything else is the most important thing.
1: I don't want to go full on math nerd here cuz I'm actually not that great at math. Uh Brandon's my math guy whenever I have a question, but I will point this out. So I looked at mid-range shots for KD and Book in the first round, right? Let's just let's single it out the playoffs versus a pretty good Clipper defense in terms of the matchup. They combined shot 55% from mid-range, which by the way, 45% and I'm like, "Wow, you did great." 48% yeah. and I'm like, "Wow, you shot like DeMar DeRozan." Like that's really impressive. 55%? is hotter than the sun, no pun intended. Like, that's absurd. That's crazy. Those are literally the shots that every single team, I tried to ask this of the Nuggets today, and they basically walled me out on the question. I'm trying to ask them, like, what do you do when the shot that you want to give up is what they they hit? Like, contested mid-range shots is what you want to deny. And their answer was, like, all you can do is contest them. That's all you can do. Okay, cool, because they're hitting them anyway. But to Brandon's point, here's a good example of this. If you hit 55% of your mid-range shots out of every 10 shots, that's a 110 offensive rating. It's not good enough. Like a 110 offensive rating, it doesn't get you home in the NBA, and especially not versus this Nuggets team. Now, I will say this, the Nuggets, there's a couple of things the Nuggets said today at practice that I think are really interesting. Um, one, there is kind of an acknowledgement that they're going to need to get up of a high volume of threes. Like they know the game plan here. There's not, which is good. You don't want a team being like, we're not going to do anything different. We're just going to (laughs) be who we are. Like, you don't want that. You won't want them to go the other way and be like, we have to change everything. What are we going to do with this team? You don't want them like, I don't know, changing your starting lineup before game one of a series versus the New York Knicks where you bet your best, best wing defender. Um, you don't want to do that. But the other thing that was really talked about was easy buckets. And what I mean by that is, the Nuggets understand that this is going to be a series with a lot of tough shot making between Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Nicola Jokic, and Jamal Murray. And to be really honest with you, MPJ, this is good, this is a tough, t- this is a, there's going to be some tough shots in the series. So how do you win it? You win it with the margins by creating easier looks for themselves. And that includes crashing the offensive glass. Um, this is going to be like I agree with you that the, that 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 margin matters. If the Suns come out and shoot a volume of threes in game one, you and I will be surprised and probably a little shook. Like, it will change <laughs> no. the cap for us. I don't know how much we're going to want to react because it goes so far away from who the Suns have been. Like, if you were going to do it versus anybody, why wouldn't you do it versus the Clippers to keep pace? And they still didn't do it, right? Um, This is a – like, usually I like to get into, like, the matchups – that are like detailed and like the X factors and like, oh you don't think about this guy. Like I have one of those in the next series where it's like, oh you don't think about this guy. You want the most important matchup in this series is Deandre versus Nicole Jokic. <laughs> like it's if Jokic. So two years ago, Aiden gave him fits and A and Jokic credited him constantly. He credited him going into that series and coming out with like, yeah. Like he said outright, Aiden defends me about as well as anybody in the league. Like, because Nikola doesn't care about giving other guys credit. A lot of guys are like, doesn't bother me. Doesn't, I don't even feel him. I, you know, I just miss shots. Nikola's not like that. Nikola's like, yeah, he does a good, good job versus me because he doesn't understand our, the dynamics, doesn't care about him. Um, however, here's the other kind of thing to keep in mind having covered the entire span of Nikola Jokic's career, I have come to understand this. Guys will have success against him for a year. And then he plays him again and he figures him out a little bit. And then usually by the next time he's figured him out, it clicks and that's when he starts to destroy him. This happened to Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert did awesome against him. Rudy can't do anything with him now. That's Rudy Gobert. Can't do anything. <laughs> uh, the last two seasons when Nikola Jokic has faced DeAndre Aiden in 2021-22, he shot 15 of 21 from the field with seven assists for 33 points in 18 minutes of matchup time versus <laughs> DeAndre Aiden. That was last year. In 2023, he matched up with them for just 11 minutes because they didn't play a lot of games this season. They only played one game together when they were actually facing off against each other. Six of 12 from the field, 10 assists, just two turnovers, 15 points in 11 minutes. If Jokic destroys Aiden to the point where the Suns are like, we can't keep doing this, and they either have to start bringing doubles or they have to go small, they're in trouble. Because they don't have a good small ball option. I've talked about this consistently being an issue. Who are you? What you gonna go Jack Lawndale. Is that Jock Landale? Not Jack Lawndale. Jack Jock. I Landale. Thing. Jock Landale. Bismack? No. You are gonna go to KD at the five? Because the problem putting it's not even so much KD defending Jokic. That's not really the problem. The problem is that then Denver's gonna put KD in pick and rolls as, a, as basically a drop big, and that's hard. So like. If Nikola dominates DeAndre in this matchup, it breaks everything down for Phoenix. And again, that tilts more towards the offensive side of the ball. On the other side of this is like the Suns pick and roll action. And I want to get into this with you about how you think about the player, um, the player props for the series. Hmm. And you may have a different angle on it. But for me, it, I am going to be playing. I have been playing Booker overs and they've gotten wise to it. I just checked this number and I'm really annoyed with it. Uh, they keep putting... Booker's assist line has been five and a half. And it started when Katie joined the team as a plus number. It was like, oh, five and a half plus 100 because he's not going to have the ball in his hands as much. And I was like, spam, 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 bet, 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 bet. And I kept doing it and I kept doing it. And finally, they've gotten wise to it, especially because Booker's playing about 80 minutes a game now. It's five and a half at FanDuel minus 142. Yeah. <laughs> so like, if you can get to six and a half, because at FanDuel, we're jumping all the way up to, uh, to, to, set to eight is the next marker on assists um and that's at uh plus 260 i actually don't mind that i might play that i think a booker like i think booker might have a triple double at some point in the series that's how much faith i have in in, in in devin booker to dominate this matchup he's gonna get in battles with jamal murray this is gonna be personal for both guys um the nuggets will try a number of different coverages but booker is still gonna be able to attack nicole Jokic at the rim and then drop coverage sometimes they won't play drop as much as they did two two years ago but they will play at some. And so like, I think this is an over-series for Booker points and assists, personally, Brandon.
2: Yeah, Booker assists is uh, probably is the top prop that I had on my list. So I agree with you on that one. Just put some numbers to it. We still don't have, obviously, a lot of games with Durant. But in the eight regular season games with Durant, Booker played all of them. He was over five and a half assists in six of the eight. And then he's over in three of the five playoff games, averaging 6.7 assists per game. So you're right. The line should be six and a half, not five and a half. I think I probably will get there pretty quickly in the series if it keeps up. Um, yeah, you talked about the 55% uh, mid-range shooting and the math for it. Here's a different way of framing it. To to hit 55% of your mid-range shots is the exact same as hitting 37% of your threes, Yeah. right? So 37%, like you, you can't be a bad shooter. Russell Westbrook's not hitting 37% of his threes, but 37% is not a huge number. 37% is just a, a good above average shooting team. It's not easy, but neither are hitting all those tough, you know, two pointers. So I I think that that helps kind of for me to frame the concern. We talked coming to.
1: to I want to add a context point on that Uh, for context, the Nuggets in a first round series versus the Wolves that I would actually say that they underperformed in terms of hitting because like they slogged around in games four and five, like they just kind of they knew the series was over and screwed around. Uh, They still shot thirty nine point eight percent versus that thirty seven percent mark. In the first round versus the wolves go ahead
2: yeah yeah and i think too it's it's fair that the nuggets aren't a huge three-point volume team so i don't think that the three points three is greater than two alone is not enough analysis here this is not just that because i think it's entirely possible especially if you're right that phoenix ramps up their threes a little bit we may not have a huge volume advantage there so that may not be enough on its own i do think denver can dominate a bit on the rebounding and I think it's important. Denver does not foul a whole lot defensively. And that would be a really key if they can do that. How many times did Kevin Durant shoot a fall away and fall down? And they're like, oh yeah, and one, go ahead, shoot free throw. So like that, the entire Clippers series was that. And it's Kevin Durant. So it's probably just going to keep happening because superstars get calls. But if Denver can defend without fouling, which again, it is back to where actually being a slightly worse defense, a slightly less aggressive defense, maybe... Helps you not foul in a weird way. I think that that's an advantage where they can help to nullify that a little bit. A couple other edges that I think go Denver's way. Home court is huge for both of these teams. Home court, Denver in the season, regular season was 34 and 7 at home, 19 22 on the road. Phoenix, 28 and 13 at home, 17 24 on the road. Denver is the home team. And schedule, as you've pointed out, is a bit wonky here. We get game one, game two, normal rest. And then there's like a seven week takeoff in between, like four days, five days, something. And then after that, we're basically every other day the rest of the way. That's advantage Denver. Two reasons. Number one, you're coming to Denver, you're going to play in the elevation. And that always is tougher for the road team. That's part of why Denver and Utah are always so good at home. And number two, Phoenix's guys are playing 40 minutes every night. Booker and Durant are playing 42, 45 minutes, night after night after night. And so add in the shorter rest for most of the games, including game two in Denver, and especially what I think will be a hammer spot, game five in Denver. Coming off two normal short rest games back to Denver. I think that's going to be a really key spot for them. And added to that is the fact that Denver, the team that you and and all the other Denver, you know, the guys who are at the games and following railed correctly on Denver's non-Jokic minutes and how bad the bench was all year. I think Phoenix's bench is clearly worse. Mm -hmm. Denver's bench was good in the first round. Denver was winning bench minutes. I don't know if Phoenix is clearly worse. Okay, so... You gave me a face on that one, but I do know this. No,
1: I agree with you. I agree with
2: you. I don't. I don't believe that Phoenix can really hurt the non-Jokic minutes. If they do, and they will a little bit, it's only because Durant and Booker are still playing for those couple extra minutes, and, and that matters. But if you can't beat Denver handily in the non-Jokic minutes, we get a problem because Jokic is playing like thirty-nine minutes a game in the in the games that actually stay close enough. That's up five from the regular season. So to me, that's a big problem too. So the home court thing, the non-Jokic minutes, I think also both games late. I know it feels like Booker, Durant, CP, oh, okay, well, they're going to come through. And we saw that happen against the Clippers overall, but actually Phoenix had negative net rating in the fourth quarter, and they had a terrible net rating in the fourth quarter during the season. The Nuggets are always good. Jokic is always very good in the clutch. We know this. So I think that again, if it's close, the numbers say that Denver probably has an advantage there too. So I, I just see a lot of the places where there are little edges, a little 2% here and there are all adding up to me on the side of the nuggets. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to
0: wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
1: You know, what's funny, as you mentioned, that game five smash spot. I will. My prediction is Nuggets in six. I'm betting Nuggets in six. And I think I think they lose game five. Oh, I think, they, I think <laughs> they go up three one at some point in the series and they lose game five and then mm. close it out on the road. That is the most Denver Nuggets outcome. Like that's who they are, are about the bench, by the way. Um, the bench was awesome for Denver versus the Wolves. Now, Minnesota was without Jaden McDaniels and Nas Reed, and it's not that you know Jaden was a starter, but like those guys move into that means that the guys that were on the bench move into the starting role. So the Wolves bench was bad. Uh on top of it, they lost Kyle Anderson for that last game. Easier. And the Wolves just aren't very good. They're a playing team. What I will say though is the Denver bench has the Malone it took him a long time to find it he kept trying to be like well we need a ball handler like we got to have somebody on the court that can handle um let's do Bones Highland nope that that was a disaster uh Reggie Jackson we're bringing Reggie Jackson nope those are worse somehow and then he kind of like with the playoffs he doesn't have to do that anymore because he's just short- shortened it to an eight man and so now it's really just like two starters Bruce Brown Christian Brown Jeff Green yep. like that's that's your bench and one of the keys here is that they play either Aaron Gordon or Jeff Green at That's small ball Yeah. which means that um, the Suns are running Aiton Paul in the stagger right now. Booker comes in at like the 10-minute mark because, again, as you mentioned, they just play all the time. Um, but in those scant minutes without Nicola, the Nuggets are probably just going to switch. And, like, if they give DeAndre Aiton the ball and he dominates versus a smaller opponent – good on him it would be the first fucking time that the sons have ever elected <laughs> to do that yeah so like that's a thing um the chemistry side of this like not to go too intangibles but i am kind of worried about that like if there's a lot of pressure on deandre in this matchup how's that gonna go if he screws up how's that gonna like what's gonna happen with this and what's kevin durant's gonna be reaction when he's when he's like looking around it's like why are you guys all yelling at deandre <laughs> Why is everyone like Monty, please stop. Please stop yelling at DeAndre. It's fine. We need to win the game. Who do you think has the coaching edge in this matchup? It's
2: a good question. I think it's pretty even. I would slightly, I think I'd pick Malone in part because Malone has had a long time to figure out what this team is and has a lot. He has a lot more answers that he can know he can go to. Monty has to make guesses at this point. So I think that that has to matter. So I don't think it's a big edge though. Uh do you have an answer that you feel strongly about?
1: I think Monty's better in game.
2: Hmm.
1: I think I think that Malone's better over the course of a series. Interesting. Um, Malone comes from a coaching tree. And like this is to kind of explain my thought on this. I'm heavily influenced by in the mid-2010s, I covered a bunch of series with some legendary coaches like Greg Popovich and Mike Dantoni. And being at those series and asking them questions every day, um, in the the few moments when Papa give you a good answer and not tear the soul from your body. <laughs> um I picked up on some things and one of the things that I really got to and Billy Donovan was was crucial in this too. You don't want to be the first one to adjust. Like you want to wait. People are really like they tend to think like why doesn't this coach just like what's he doing? And a lot of it is like you do not want to be the first one because the minute that you start that chain, now they're now you're out of what you want to do and they're adapting to what you're trying to adapt to and now you're in this and like you do you lose when you're the first one to make the adjustment unless you have like the X at the end. And that's why Kerr with having Draymond at five is always like, that was always the end game is like, okay, yeah. enough. We're putting in the death lineup, right? Unless you have that in your back pocket, which the Suns do not, they do not have that. Hmm. Um, you don't want to be the first to adjust. This is why honestly, like starting Tory Craig worked out brilliantly in the Clipper series because in that Clipper series, Tory Craig shot 56% from three. Now, Tory shot forty percent from from three this season. Tori's a good shooter now, and I like I covered Tory's like when he was in the G League and had to come like he took a flight that day and played that night. I have all the respect in the world for Tory Craig. Tori's not a fifty six percent shooter because nobody's <laughs> a fifty six percent three point shooter. Steph's not a fifty six three point shooter, right? So like this is part of the key here um, are these types of dynamics. But Monty also like broke first and like he 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 switched his starting lineup before game one of the playoffs. You don't do that unless you're like, we have to change things because of the way our group is structured. And when he did that, one of the reasons they lost game one is when you put a Kogi with a second unit, now they got no one on that second unit that can shoot.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: he solved it by, I'm just going to play Devin Booker and Chris Ball. And <laughs> All <in> the minutes. <laughs> like, I'm Nick Nurse on steroids. <laughs> um, and he'll probably do that in this series. Like, that's their whole thing is like, they got to win. They got to win 16 games, right? That's it. They gotta win 12 now. They gotta win 12 games. That's it. Yeah. But I do think that there's a little bit of a, of a long term edge. I think the longer the series goes, the more it faces it, it it benefits Denver. Um, if the Suns win game one, right, they could go up three one, break the Nuggets confidence, and then close it out. But it's hard for me to, to envision those situations. Anything else that you kind of want to yeah. get to in this series?
2: Uh, let, let me respond to just a couple of those things. So, when I was watching uh, Kings Warriors uh, fourth quarter, I went back and rewatched it because it was part of that wild Wednesday night. That, like in hindsight, felt like we were watching March Madness, right? Like we're just getting these wild finishes and comebacks, and I mean Milwaukee played like a college team. The thing I saw in the fourth quarter Warriors team. And, no, we, we see what we want to see, and I'm the Warriors guy. But I saw Andrew Wiggins hitting a big bucket, getting a rebound. I saw Gary Payton huge in that fourth quarter, getting the rebound, switching on defense, getting the loose ball, the hustle play. We've seen Looney make tons of plays in the series. you got to have those dudes to win tough series like, they're, like the Warriors are ahead right now. you got to have those dudes to win a championship. The Suns don't have those dudes. They don't. And Torrey Craig and Josh Okoge and Shamit, Payne is back now. Look, you know Gary Payne have. wasn't that dude either. Andrew Wiggins wasn't that dude until he was. So maybe they are those dudes. But I think that there's a clear drop-off. And, and look, you just had the last series, Cavs-Knicks. We've had plenty of thoughts about, uh-oh, who's the fifth starter I don't know if Phoenix is so far from that. If if you're making the switch coming into game one of the playoffs and you don't know who your fifth guy is, I think you could have a similar problem. One more thing related to this, and let me just say up front, I want to see healthy guys play basketball and have a great series. But if you are playing 40 and 45 minutes for Kevin Durant and Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and we are betting on games, and I have to consider the edges we have, I have to consider the fact that playing this level of minutes in what will be a day after day after day series as we get the game three forward is an extreme red flag workload for Durant and for Chris Paul. Let me give you a couple numbers. Kevin Durant played 41 minutes all five games in the first round. Presumably he'll continue to do that. The last time he played five straight games at 41 minutes or more was ending last season in Brooklyn, just the last seven games, then into the offseason. Last time before that was for the Warriors in 2019. He had six games like that. He got hurt the seventh game. He missed a month, came back, played one game in the finals. You know what happened after that. Last time before that was 2014, nine years ago. Kevin Durant does not play this load for this long. It doesn't work. Chris Paul played 37 minutes all five games. Last time he did that was eight games in a row. Last February, he immediately missed a month soon as he did that last time before that was 2015 with the Clippers. These dudes can't play this minute load. They can't, they, they can't have this wear and tear on their body. It's not even a criticism. Bodies aren't made it to play this way. And I, I have to account in my cap as a better for the very real chance that you can't play these dudes 45 minutes every night and they may not make it whole through to the end of the series.
1: Yeah, you know, there's been some interesting data on it. It's been more common lately for guys to play these kind of heavy minutes, but I still think it's like, especially with Durant at his age, coming off the Achilles and everything else, CP's in the same boat. Like 37 is a lot for CP at this point in his career, right? Like Durant's playing like 45 or whatever, but (laughs) CP's playing at 38. He's playing 37 minutes. Like this is, there is a lot on this. One thing I will say is that there is, well, I'll say two things while there is a higher injury concern, I think with, with Phoenix because of their specific personnel Um, one, I don't know how to put this like guys, guys get hurt versus Phoenix, Like that's voodoo ish. And I understand it. I'm just (laughs) telling you like 2021 Lakers, Anthony Davis gets hurt in the first round. Suns advance. They face Jamal Murray, less nuggets in round two. They sweep. They face the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. They face a fully healthy bucks team. They lose to Mike Budenholzer, which suddenly looks like a much worse loss. Um, following year, they face the Pelicans without Zion Williamson, right? They face the Mavs fully healthy, they lose. Now they may slash probably had COVID, but still. Uh, following year. By, by,
2: by the way, the fully healthy Bucks that you mentioned nearly lost Giannis for the yeah. season like three days before and had him on like half of a knee for that series. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then
1: this year, they face the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So like. I knock on wood. Like <laughs> I I keep telling Denver fans, like you can put put Jokic and Jamal in bubble wrap. Um, on top of it, I will say the Nuggets do get worn down fatigue wise. They should be the best conditioned team in the league because they play at altitude. They're not. They're they're just not. Jamal Murray does not is not in great, is not in great conditioning. Flat out. He gets tired. Um, he got really tired in game four of the Wolves series. That's why they lost that game, was like. They were not pushing pace. Now, there was, wasn't was just Jamal. Like, the whole team was sluggish. But my point here is, like, this is, you know, Jokic, Jokic's Jokic-ness aside, this is not a finely tuned group of, like, absolute lethal, high condition guys. Aaron Gordon's in great shape. Bruce Brown's in great shape. KCP's in great shape. MPJ's actually in great shape. But, um, yeah. Let's, uh, let's do series pick, uh, game one pick. So, this is two and a half which is saying like this is Suns minus one and a half to two and a half on a neutral court. And that to me is just wrong. These two teams should be closer. And also to be perfectly honest with you, even if we just like did the standard adjustment um, that feels light for Denver, then we have to factor in how good Denver is at home, which they are absolutely dominant at home this season. Huh. So give me your cap for game one and why you're taking Denver minus two and a half.
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't feel like I have a lot to add. My cap is I like Denver better in the series. I like Denver at home. I think they're the better team. It's under a bucket. It's just a very straightforward pick to me. You you play the team that you like, play them at home. I know Phoenix is guys who ha- are going to, you know, they're, they're high-minute guys arrested. So you, you do get that possible advantage for Phoenix. But, you know, Denver's guys are arrested too. So I'm not sure that that's necessarily a huge advantage here. I'm just going to take the better team on the series. When when the line is basically negligible, well, knock on wood, well, let's not have a Denver win by one or two here. But when it's this low, I think you just keep it straightforward. The only real consideration I have is, you know how I love to do the game one winner, series winner combo. So I like Denver to win the series. I like Denver to win game one. I can play the combo at plus 190. I don't really have a reason not to play that other than I shouldn't do everything, right? Like, Either play game one and the series separately or play the combo together. I feel like I feel better about playing them separately just because Phoenix is really good. We're both being in Denver, but Phoenix is really good and could win the series definitely. Yep. And Phoenix is really good and could win game one definitely. Won't surprise me at all, won't necessarily shake me to my inner core. So I think I'd rather not go all in on the exact outcome, even though that's my thing, and give myself a little bit of uh, a little buffer in case. Durant Booker play like Durant and Booker and, and do crazy things. So I'll just take the Nuggets cover. Keep it straightforward.
1: I'll the over in this one too. Uh, at 225, I just think this is light. I think both these teams, the Nuggets don't have elite wing defenders. Kentavious called the Pope's a really good defender. He'll give Devin Booker problems. Bruce Brown, I actually think is going to be pesky. But like booking KD, or booking KD. And with the level the books at right now, like there's just nothing that you can do. So I think they're gonna put up points. I think the Nuggets are probably gonna push pace to try and wear them out. Um, they came out, that was a strategy in game one versus the wolves, was they pushed pace and got into things really intensely. Um, something that, that happens, and faster pace obviously helps us here. Uh free throws probably help Phoenix, they'll probably draw some some free throws, even though Denver does, like you mentioned, Denver's a low free throw allowing team. Um, just think KD's probably gonna get to the line because that's what KD does. So, all in all. Um, I like the over here at 225. I just think it's a little low. I understand any sort of argument for the pace or anything else, but I don't believe that these two defenses are, are well designed to stop one another. And I think they both know that. I think that both teams are like, if we're going to win the series, we're going to have to score points. I think the Suns have to be like, we're not shutting down Jokic. We're going to have to score. And the and the nuggets have to be like, we're definitely not shutting down KD. We're going <laughs> to have to score. And Booker quite honestly, again, Nineteen to one, Devin Booker Finals MVP. When we gave it out on the podcast weeks ago, just want to want to reiterate. If you're looking at Suns futures, Devin Booker Finals MVP to me is the way to go. All right, let's go to the other series. The New York Knicks, for some reason. uh, No, the Knicks are a good team. Here's the thing. I'm annoyed, and I got to like not let this affect my cap, because like it's annoying to me that I was so wrong about the Knicks and the Cavs, and I was more wrong about the Cavs than I was about the Knicks, because like I haven't given the Knicks enough credit. This is a really good team. This team was uh, the second-best offense in the league. They had an, a 51 pace over the last back half of the season since All-Star, which their fans have reminded me about about 800 times. Um, they're, they're deep, which I'd never thought mattered, but it does here. Uh, they are awesome on the offensive glass. I didn't do some numbers on that, which we'll get into. Um, it's very interesting because when the series came out and the heat were dogs, I was like, Ooh, I'm going to bet the heat, but I didn't. And then I waited and I looked at the matchups. And when I looked at the matchups, I came out on Knicks. You on the other hand are taking the heat here. Give me the cap on why you like Miami in the series.
2: Well, I mean, I'm going to start with the, the most important thing. Should I, should I go there first? Hit me with it. Here's my most important thing, and I'm going to whittle it down to literally two words: Jimmy Spo. At the end of the day, if I pick the Heat, I have the best player in the court by a wide margin, and I have Spo, and you have Tibbs. That's it. That's the most important thing.
1: You got me. I'm, I'm on Heat. That's that's it. That's doable. <laughs> How? How am I taking Tom Thibodeau versus Eric Spolstra? How how am I going to do that? How am I going to? Do, how am I possibly going to bet the, bet bet Tom Thibodeau versus Eric Spolstra? How God, I hate this series. I hate it. I hate <laughs> it so much, Brandon. I hate it because it should be Bucks Cavs, which would honestly be a pretty quick series. But still, uh, if not, it should be like Heat Cavs, which would be interesting and weird. I'd be down with Knicks Bucks. That would be interesting. Like this is just like it's not that they're like it's these two teams. It's like. Oh God, you're right. How am I gonna bet? How am I gonna to, bet to be oh, no. clear?
2: I, I I think this to me, we we previewed eight series in the first round. This is now our tenth series. I guess we didn't technically preview the one eight series, uh, but we, we did on our own. This easily is the toughest call for me of the series. When you say I hate the series, to me, that's how I'm interpreting it as like I, I just don't know. I'm a shrug emoji. If you follow my writing at Action Network, you know my NFL column, I do the bet lean pass when I pick all the games each week. If, if this was an NFL slate on just another Sunday with a whole bunch of other games, this is just a pass. I don't know. I don't know who wins in the series. I feel like these teams are very close, very even. It's honestly is a lot how I felt about New York and Cleveland last round. The difference is that Cleveland was the favorite and was getting a little too much of, you know, too much juice on that side. So I I, I did not love New York. I did not pick New York to win last round. I cannot victory lap, it. I picked New York to keep it close enough and cover the one plus or the one and a half. I I just feel like I have similar thoughts here, but New York is suddenly the favorite. Now I think New York is probably slightly better. The the numbers from the season say New York is clearly better. New York is a lot better. And my intuition says that maybe Miami won't keep making 78% of their three-pointers every time they breathe and maybe Jimmy Butler won't keep scoring 50 points every single night, and maybe all those things, and we'll we'll get to the game picks. I expect a lot of unders in this series. I expect a lot of 90s-looking games, much like we just saw with the Knicks' last series, 5-0 to the under. I expect a lot of close games. Miami is very good late in the game, and if it's a close game at the end and a low-scoring game, and we're going to get a bunch of those because Miami does not blow teams out and New York does not get blown out. If I got close games at the end... Do I want Jimmy and Spo, or do I want Julius and Jalen Brunson and 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 then Tibbs? And I I can't get away from that. I just can't. It's it is it's the thing that I do in the NFL when I can't figure out what I'm doing. It's look at the quarterback and look at the coach. And Jimmy's the quarterback, and I know who I want to coach.
1: All right. So I'm gonna instead I'm gonna grill you. I'm gonna ask you questions on these things. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Miami has. Two centers they have bam Adebayo and cody zeller by the way i'm like the only member of the code I, I am the only non-member of the cody zeller family of the zeller family to be a fan of cody zeller i think he's good um i th- thought he was good there's a lot of numbers that have led me to that why will offensive rebounds which murdered the calves not kill miami here
2: yeah so i had to consider that and I think that looking at uh, I'm big on the four factors, looking at the four factors here is a much different story than the Cleveland series. Yeah Here's the difference. New York, I believe had the number two offense by offensive rating in the regular season. And boy did was my mind like the cloud emoji thing? That was me when I checked into basketball in March and I was like, I'm sorry, what? Tibbs and the Knicks are the number two offense. And you look at the numbers and you're like, oh, okay. No, not okay. What? Why are the number two offense? What's happening here? Well, what's happening is they never turn the ball over. They mash the offensive class. They get a ton of free throws. Those are three of the four factors. That's literally three of the four things. They're not good at shooting. That's the fourth one. We saw that last series. They were not good at shooting. They literally have the worst true shooting percentage of all 16 playoff teams. They won a series four to one with the worst shooting in the playoffs because they dominated turnover, free throw, rebounding margin. Miami Heat defensively ranked top seven in all three of those things. They're fifth in defensive rebounding percentage. So that's my answer is the numbers tell me Miami is a good defensive rebounding team and is not gonna let the offensive rebounds happen. I also weirdly... Find a player. I'm sorry if this is stealing a guy. You said you had a guy for this series. I kind of think Kevin Love is a is a really good player for Miami in this series. Kevin Love is an awesome rebounder. Yeah. Kevin Love is really good on the glass. And I think having him out there by default, because they have to, they got nobody else. I think he'll be good. And stretching the defense out. I don't know if I feel great about Mitchell Robinson in this series and where he's gonna go or what he's really gonna do in this series. The, I, I don't know where he ends up. We saw him getting a little bit of trouble. It's, it's a different offense than what Cleveland runs, but I have some concerns there. I think Love is going to get his threes up. And I think he can be a rebounder and actually make an impact. Not a huge thing. He's not going to start playing like 35 minutes or something. But to me, that's the answer rebounding. When I look at like the four factors and the big picture team matchup thing, here's my takeaway. And this is where I come back to the shrug emoji. The Heat want to take a ton of threes. The Knicks defense allows the fifth most three-pointers. Attempts. They allow a good percentage, but they they uh, allow a lot of them. The Knicks, top ten and three-point attempt rate. The Heat defense, they want to allow you lots of three-pointers. So guess what's gonna happen, Matt? We're gonna have a three-point shootout between the Heat and the Knicks, who oh, can't God. make three pointers. That's it. That's the game. If you look at the four games they played in the regular season, and I know we, we both said unders already. I know you looked at the four games, two of the games. 210 points and 193 the other two games 242 and 247 because in those two games they combined to shoot like 43 percent three in both of them i think that's what's going to happen to the series just like we're going to take an under and they're going to go over it by 45 some game because they all decide to make threes that game And we're going to pivot and be like oh okay they're making shots so they're going to put up like a 180 the next game so that that's where that's my shrug confusion emoji is other than the Spo Butler thing. I just have to figure out who's going to shoot better. I don't know who's going to shoot better in this series.
1: I'm looking up rebound props and we don't have them yet. They haven't. They yeah, you know,
2: I do. Uh, Josh Hart rebound is one I've got my eye on, especially early in the series. Josh Hart played 43 and a half minutes. The last two games as a starter. while Quentin Grimes was out. We don't know if Grimes will be out or Randall, but if one or both are out, Hart averages 8.4 rebounds per 36. That is all his, since his Villanova days, been a huge strength of his. So heart rebounds and then heart double-double, if he's going to get the rebounds, that's one I would have my eye on. It's really the only prop that I have for early in the series, but we don't have lines. You, you can bet Jimmy and, and uh, Bam lines right now. That's up.
1: Yeah, because Randall's availability. Right. Here's the thing. We haven't talked about Julius Randall because I don't think either one of us think he, he matters. Like, I just... At this point, Julius is going to have to win a playoff series. He's going to have to look good in the playoff series for me to believe he's a positive player. Like Julius and Damanis Savonis can start a club. Okay. One of the counters that I have, the guy I was going to talk about actually is Josh, is Josh Hart. Okay. Because I feel like the Bucks. if you look at what Jimmy did, the only guy that had success against them and he held them to only 50% shooting, I'm serious that was good in that series because of how ridiculous Jimmy was, was Wes Matthews, which is why it was ridiculous. Apparently Drew Holiday was the one that was like, no, no, no I got Jimmy. And, like, that's a mistake by Drew. Like, not to go rehash the Bucks thing, but, like, Drew Holiday should have been like, yeah, no, you take Wes, and I'm going to help off and create turnovers. But you need size on Jimmy. And Hart has the wingspan. I think that's a decent matchup for the Knicks. My other question for you is this. Uh, No Tyler Hero, at least for the, like, I don't, I can't see him being back at any point in the series, quite honestly. No Victor Oladipo. The bench is down to Nothing down to nothing why is the Knicks bench which was such an advantage versus the Cavs not a huge advantage here Uh,
2: I think it is I I think it is less early in the series until we know that Randall and Quentin Grimes are back that evens things out until we get them at more regular minutes I'm not a big Tyler Hero fan but Tyler Hero in the four games they played this season head-to-head was really good and really important in those games he was awesome in three of three of the four he had 16 threes in the four games that they had played and they're all in the back half of the season. So I was surprised looking at the game to game. I was like, uh Oh, no hero. It could be a problem. I-, I think in a weird way it worked against Milwaukee that they had to be like, uh, all right, Kevin Love, why don't you go see if you can do some stuff? Hey, Duncan, $18 million a year. Could you go out and just run out for a while and maybe shoot if you're open and it turns out that among things that Duncan Robinson and Kevin love can do is shoot threes. Still again, the Knicks want you to shoot threes. So I think accidentally having to play those guys, even if that's how they got there can maybe work. And I realize those are not good defenders, but I don't really care a lot against the Knicks. Like I, I'm not really worried about Runson hunting and I don't know. I mean, sure, but Duncan and love can make some threes. So I do. Th- I think the depth thing is real. I think the home court matters here. I- I'm going to play devil's advocate to myself a little bit here. Some of the points I had for the Knicks. So the depth, I think, is a big important part. New York has to win that. I will be looking at New York's second quarters. That's one quarter that New York's been really good at and that Miami is, is not. So uh, I don't I won't play that right away. I want to see the bench thing, but that's one spot. Home road split. The Heat were 27 and 14 at home. Uh, but the Knicks were 24 and 17 on the road. So about even the Knicks are 23 and 18 at home. And the heat were 17 and 24 negative 2.1 net. And New York is the home team. So I think that that certainly is an advantage that New York gets the home crowds and the home advantage there. And let me ask you this question. Cause I don't have an answer for it. The Knicks offense isn't great. We know this. We've, we've watched it. It's not built to be great. I know they're number two, but We watch it in action in these slower games, and they're struggling to score. The one guy who can really get going for them and get cooking is Jalen Brunson. When Jalen Brunson starts to cook, why wouldn't they just put Jimmy Butler on him? Game over. Brunson is literally eliminated by Butler's size and defensive prowess. How does New York score after that? What's their answer?
1: I think it depends on the coverage, right? If they play drop with Bam, then Jimmy coming over the top probably is able to get clearance, but this is actually where Mitch matters. Hmm. Jimmy trying to run over mitch is actually like he'll get clearance right and if bam's playing drop which he does a little bit more okay then J- then butler has or brunson has the floater and that'll work like you can do that like part of the, the secret here is like the, the, the heat defense hasn't been great it was amazing no. in the fourth quarters of the last series amazing even on top of all the but the bucks bedwetting that went on like even if you factor for all that, the rotations, how tight they were, how physical, all of that. But like Miami's defense was really bad over the back half of the season. And honestly, when the Bucs got going, the Bucs looked awesome. Right. Like the Bucs looked like had these big like they had big leads, uh, in part because of all this. If they switch it, right, one, Jimmy's no longer on him and Mitch is yeah. on him, and that's fine because Jimmy will battle him. And you're not gonna like post up Mitch Robinson, but also that's probably better for the Heat, like switch it and then be like, yeah, Mitch Robinson's going to the post uh, now or the dunker spot. Jimmy will scram it, but I think it's like worth at least exploring. The problem there is that like if you if you switch that the bigger question here is gonna be if they run Mitch and they run Randall and Rant, let's this is like Randall's gonna be a pressure point here because if Randall, yeah. if they run instead of they run Randall in this in this pick and roll right and you're able to get randall in space versus the drop like that's where he could do damage get randall on the move you can hit some of this the heat defense i do think is vulnerable like i think it's more vulnerable than you do i think that they are i think that they had a spectacular fourth quarter performance versus a team that every single year we have talked about how the bucks do not (laughs) perform in these situations and i can't believe i'm saying this i actually think the knicks might be more poised offensively right yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Check gonna be a manual
2: Check my phone and see if Bud still has that job. Yeah, he's yeah. still still alright for now.
1: Um, this is gonna be an Emanuel quickly series. He should be he should be good here. Yeah. Like yeah. he should he should be much better this series than he was last series. This should be a Obi Toppin series. I I don't know if Tibbs is gonna do this, but top, he should absolutely give Toppin the Butler assignment for stretches. Hmm. Like Knicks fans are like he's terrible defensively. It's just about an athletic body, man. Just put Obi on him and do it that way. But uh, Hartenstein versus Bam is actually a really compelling matchup. Like, that's really interesting there. You know? And, like, that's where you can honestly create a lot is, like, you can kill them with offensive rebounds if it's Jimmy and Bam. If it's two-on-one, just get that shot up and crash the offensive glass. Like, that's the next formula, in large part, right? Is like, second chance points. So that's part of the equation here. Yeah. Um, I can't... I will say that, like, my best bet is now gone. I can't... You're right, like... Uh, we just did all this analysis, all this deep dive stuff. And I'm with you. Like I'm going to be looking for Kevin Love rebounds. It's probably going to be a prop that I want. Yeah. I can't bet on Tom Thibodeau versus J- versus Eric Spolster. Forget the Jimmy side of it. Cause I think Jalen's proven to be a really great playoff performer. One thing I think that's interesting. And I don't have the numbers on this. Uh, the Knicks actually play the same scheme as a cab, which is they actually play aggressive at the, at the level of the screen. So they'll blitz Jimmy. Jimmy's not a great passer. He's good. He's not a great passer. And if it's like, if it's three on, if it's four on three with Gabe Vincent and Bam, don't you take that if you're the Knicks? Like, isn't really the formula just like anybody but Butler, which is not what the the Bucks did. The Bucks were like, we're going to guard him straight up. At some point, you should probably, like Giannis said it, like they should have doubled. I think the Cavs, will, the Knicks will play more aggressive on him. I wish that this was heat favored and I could take Knicks plus one and a half. Like that's the number I want, but because Knicks are favored here, I can't get there.
2: Yeah. That's, that's the problem that I have. And like I said, even though I'm coming off between the two of us as the more confident side on Miami, I'm not confident in this pick. I think this is very, uh, a very even series. What I wanted, same as last series, which it didn't hit as it turns out, but I wanted the Knicks series to go over five and a half. That was the bet I wanted over five and a half games, long series seems easy, right? Long grinded out 90 series over five and a half minus half, minus one eighty. No, thank you. And by the way, that's what I wanted. It was the exact same price for the New York series last round. And it did not hit. So it didn't go well for that way. So then I was like, all right, well, how about a heat plus one and a half in the series? They're the underdog. What if I just get the heat to make it a longer series? Nope, minus 176. So the, the two things that to me seem like the obvious bets here, the, the the straightforward angles, the books were like, yeah, we know. So we go ahead. Go ahead and pay for them if, the, if that's what you want. So here's where I got to. Heat plus 134 is 43%. I, I mean, I, I think the Heat are the team that's going to win the series. So maybe it's just keep it simple and do that. Heat in six or seven is the best bet that I gave out. Heat in six is plus 450 In seven is plus 600. So if you split your bet evenly, you're basically getting a, a plus 208 there. Here's the problem. Am I positive that the Heat wouldn't just win in five? I'm not saying they're going to, but let me refresh you a few things that I know you know about our man, Tom Thibodeau. He has previously lost as a four seed to a five in five games. He's lost as a three seed to a six in five games. He's also lost, as a one seed, two and eight in six games. And by the way, doesn't it just feel like Tom Thibodeau should be the first coach ever to lose to two eight seeds? Feels right, doesn't it? It feels right. Yeah, I you're definitely this. not picking the Knicks after that.
1: I hate the series so much. I hate, it. I, hate, it. I hate <laughs> I,
2: it. I will say too about the players. I, I, last round, you pushed to me that... RJ Barrett was going to have to be a thing and I was going to have to rely on RJ Barrett to win the series. And I did not like it. Oh no, sir. I did not yet. RJ Barrett was real good in that series. Yeah. I think that this round, I think Julius Randall is, is the version of that. Julius Randall, I think actually can give some matchup problems and he had a couple huge games against Miami in the regular season. One of those he hit like seven or eight threes and Randall's going to do that every now and then. But I think like you said, the matchup thing and with the Knicks smaller guards in Miami's point of attack defense. I, I don't know that I'm confident in their defense as much as just the, the four factors version of it. And the things that they do the best that they, they they're going to push New York to shoot threes. And I feel good about that. That's all. But I think Julius Randall is the guy he's the, he has to be the Jalen Brunson this series for them to, if you want to believe in the Knicks, I think it has to be because Randall is going to be healthy enough to go put up some big games and, and and be the best player on the court in a game, better than Jimmy Butler, and be the reason the Knicks won a couple of games. I think that's possible. Julius Randle is good. Butler is not always playoff god Jimmy Butler. But again, that's that's not the side that I want to be on. But I, th- I think it's a possible outcome.
1: Uh, let's get to best bets for the game. Um, we love the under. We talked about that, about it's a three-point shooting contest between the Knicks and the Heat. Um, you asked me this question, and, and it was a really good call about an early start time. So I looked up playoff teams at home with a start time before 3.30 Eastern. So start time before 3.30 Eastern. Uh, Home teams are 12 and 18 straight up in the playoffs since 2003. The start time of that, Uh, it's 40%. 10 and 20 at 33% against the spread in those games. Uh, The under... Is 18, 10, and 2 for 64.3% of the oh. time those games go under on an early start. Uh, why are you, who very rarely plays totals, liking an <laughs> under here?
2: Uh, again, partly because I needed a game one to pick. And similarly to the series, I'm like, well, this is the best thing that I can see for now. So I'm going to go light on this. I wanted the under to be like a 219 or something. I honestly thought it might be higher, but no, nope, not going to happen. Bottom five pace, both of these teams, we're going to see the slow grinded out games. We know, we know we're seeing that we've seen it from both of them. We know what these teams are and it's like, it's going to come down to whether the threes fall and I, I have to just bank on not threes falling and hope for the best that way and hope at the slow pace and and the shots missing The four games they played during the regular season, their pace was about a 93, which is a real slow pace. Two of those went way over because they hit pretty much all their shots. But I I, I like the under here. I will say this, though I'm literally playing the under, I looked at it at FanDuel, our sponsor, the highest alternate over that you can play is a 230 and a half at 11 to 1. 231 is not a lot of points. Miami went well past that in most of their Milwaukee games. 231 is, I guess you guys made some shots tonight, like 118, 116. We're clear. 11 to 1. I'm just saying, with the variance and the shots that are going to happen in the series, like I might look at totals and be like, like I looked at the other side, the lowest under you can play is under 180 and a half at 15 to 1. I think it might be playable to just take the far tail ends of the over-unders and just be like, I don't know. Let's see if they hit shots. And some days they will, and some days they won't. I don't know if it's going to happen in the middle that much. So I'm going to start with the under, but that, that's my fun, creative total play that I'm eyeing, depending on how the shooting goes here.
1: Um, I like the heat plus four here. Is that this point that I am obligated contractually to mention that in the NBA playoffs this season, when a team has won, they are 46 and zero, obviously straight up, but they are 45 and one 89% against the spread when they do win the game outright when they cover. So on the other side of this, when they cover, they have won outright 89% of the time. They are 40 and five when a team covers those trends go back three seasons. It's about 90%. We have seen a number of those tick up recently. It looks like those are starting to tail off a little bit a little like a just a touch but the overall trend is still extremely strong so when i tell you that like i like miami here bear in mind that i should just be playing and like i probably will i'll just take the miami game one line because uh as i mentioned teams in that start time i also looked at this eastern conference playoff teams with the start time before 3 30 8 and 18 against the spread 31 percent, like home teams
2: can I ask a mean question? Yeah. How much of that is just New York? I mean that that's it's very mean, but I feel like we love to put New York as this like early lunchtime game. And I don't yeah. feel like New York has been great in the playoffs. So it yeah. that might just be a bunch of them, but it's uh, them again. So
1: well, I will tell you this actually, they're not they are not bad. They are not as bad as some other teams. Okay. Uh with a start time. Um and I actually haven't done it a whole lot. Playoff teams at home start time less than 330. Uh the Knicks will only have one. Game.
2: No, well, game? yeah, that, that's fair. That that checks out as well for other reasons. Aren't <laughs> in the playoffs a lot, it turns out.
1: <laughs> uh, by the way, this is my pettiness factor for you. I looked up uh, in the playoffs when a team has five more offensive rebounds than their opponent or more. <laughs> 48% straight up, 47% against the spread. Congratulations, JB Bickerstaff, You got <laughs> played. Uh, all right, it's gonna wrap it up for buckets, uh wrapping up these series. Brandon and I both like Nuggets minus one and a half uh, on the series spread. Uh, Brandon likes the Heat in six or seven. Yes, correct. Uh, we both like Nuggets minus two and a half in Game One. I like the over two twenty five. We both like the under in Game One. Knicks Heat uh, at at two o six and a half. Uh, and I'll grab the points with the Miami Heat plus four, and I will play the money line as well based off of the trend. That's going to wrap it up for Buckets for this week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Hope you guys have yourselves a great weekend. Enjoy the hoops. Enjoy the start of the second round. We'll be back on Monday. We'll get you set for Sixers Celtics, Celtics, uh, as well as whatever the other series is going to be, because we are recording this on Thursday night. I don't know. Check out all Brandon's stuff on the NFL draft. He's got great content over there. Check out the Action Network app. You got Green up Daily. So much cool stuff. Check all that out. My thanks to David Painter, producer. Uh, we'll see you guys again on Monday. Till then, let get Buckets.